Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. As far as James, he's our guy. We still got James Harden. Our goal is still to win a championship. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Being in a win-now situation, that's great. I'm a win-now coach. Six, five, four, three, two, Rockets only lead once early. They did tie it up a couple times as the game went along, but the Mavericks pretty much coasting to victory in Houston, winning the game 113-100. What's up? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlroom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. This game was like a serious case of the Mondays for the Rockets. I mean, they came out and they were so lethargic in that first quarter. Um, so first off, no Daniel House in this game. Uh, we also wound up not seeing any Ben McLemore or KJ Martin Jr., even though they were both listed as active for this game. They could have played, but they did not suit up. They did not hit the floor at all. Um, but no Daniel House this game was out with some uh, some back issues, was a kind of a late scratch. Uh, Steven Silas didn't even know who was going to be in the starting lineup uh, about an hour and a half before tip-off. So this would be the fourth starting lineup for the Rockets across five games so far this season. Um, again, you know it's it's tough to get any kind of continuity when you're constantly shifting guys in and out of the in and out of the lineup, in and out of the starting lineup, the bench rotations, all that stuff. Um, so David Nwamba did ultimately get the the starting nod in place of Daniel House Jr. But man, they just came out so flat in that first quarter. Um, Mavs exploded to a 33-21 start to this game. And I mean, they finished when they won the game 113-100. They won the first quarter by 12 points. That's pretty much it because the Rockets actually played them uh, kind of, uh, they played them dead even in the second quarter, 28 points apiece. Then they outplayed them in the third quarter, 28 to 23. And then they again lost the fourth quarter, 29 to 23. Although there were some, uh, you know, bench minutes at the, or I, you know, just garbage minutes at the very, very tail end of the game. But anywho, this game was. Really weird. All kinds of weird for like a million different reasons. First off, the referees were all over the place in this game against both teams, right? Like the the Rockets got a crap whistle for a little bit. Then the Mavericks got a crap whistle for a little bit. You had technicals flying everywhere from crew chief John Goble, who just was, you know, shout out to Mark Jones deep in his bag. Like there were fries at the bottom for one of the greatest play-by-play calls of all time. But seriously... You know, the goal of an NBA game should not be to see how many technicals a referee can hand out because that's that's not what this is about. And the fact that, you know, it, it kind of all derailed in the top of the second quarter, um, not even three minutes played for DeMarcus Cousins, or, you know, right around the three-minute mark, and he gets ejected because the game's getting a little chippy and you've got the, the Rockets and Mavs are kind of getting after it a little bit, and Cousins checks in and it's 
DeMarcus Cousins, he's a powder keg ready to be ignited, and he and Willie Cauley-Stein kind of get tangled up. They get into it a little bit. The guys separate them. It's double technicals. And then, uh, you know, a few possessions later, DeMarcus Cousins, after a few drives already to the basket, um, you know, getting, you know, receiving some foul calls, some questionable whistles here and there, drives, a little bit of contact, you know, maybe it was worth a whistle, maybe it wasn't, but the way he reacted... You know, he, he, he flared his arms, pumped his shoulders, looked at the ref, you know, in frustration, and Goble teed him up. And to me, like, Nathan Fogg on Twitter said it best, good friend of the pod, and he said, look, if that's a technical, then Draymond Green should have never finished a single game in the last six years of basketball. And it's so damn true, the different standards that different players are held to in, you know, in the game of basketball as, as to what constitutes a technical. And I get that there's human error involved and, and, and all this good stuff, but that wasn't justified. That wasn't a, a ejection-worthy technical. That was something based on Cousins' reputation. He gets an unfavorable whistle all the time from the refs, and it's just frankly BS. And the, com- the complexion of this game could have been different had DeMarcus Cousins continued to play because in his three minutes, he looked really good with the second unit. He was a plus five. He made a couple shots. He had four points. He had three rebounds. He had two blocks. He was playing some solid defense. And this was at a time where the Rockets were getting hammered on the boards. They were getting decimated on the boards after the first quarter. The Mavs had five offensive rebounds in the first quarter alone. They finished with only 10 for the game. They, you know, the Rockets kind of figured out their, their rebounding issues a little bit. They didn't totally resolve them, but you know, the, the Mavericks were, were, Blasting the Rockets on the boards, and who better than to help you secure the paint a little bit than a guy with some actual size in DeMarcus Cousins? Because let's face it, Christian Wood is not a legitimate center. He is a power forward masquerading as a center, almost like Clint Capella did at 6'10". He's a bit undersized compared to some of the other like legitimate bigs in the league. So having DeMarcus Cousins, that's what you have him for is nights like this where you need some help in the rebounding department. You can run Cousins for 15 to 20 minutes and he can shore up some of the rebounding for you. And he's a smart defender. So just a a weird night overall. The the referees, you know, and, and they continued after that, you know, after that exchange with Cousins, he gets ejected. Then they start blowing the whistle a lot, making a lot of kind of makeup calls in the Rockets' favor. Um, and it just, it was just an ugly game from the referee standpoint for both sides. Like I, I would be, if I was a Mavs fan, I'd be frustrated. Even as a Rockets fan, I'm frustrated. It's, it's, it's just a mess. Um, the three-point shooting in this game was just ridiculous on both sides for two separate sets of reasons. Um, the Mavs shot the lights out of the ball, 41% shooting, but specifically Tim Hardaway Jr., 8 for 10 from behind the arc, 80% certified Rockets killer Tim Hardaway Jr., just and this is a, a Mavs team who came in with the worst three-point shooting percentage in the entire NBA. They were shooting 30.7% coming into this game. And of course, of course, THJ goes off against the Rockets. He always does. The Rockets, on the other hand, couldn't hit water if they fell out of boat. Uh, 27.5% from behind the arc, 11 of 40 shooting. The only Houston Rocket that shot even r- remotely well from behind the arc was Eric Gordon, who shot four for 10, 40%. Kudos, Eric Gordon. He is one of the two silver linings that I have uh, coming up in segment three for this game. But just a really bad shooting game for the Rockets overall. Even their regular shooting, I mean, just 30 of 77, 39% from the floor. Uh, just a really rough night for them offensively. And but I still think some of their issues were self-inflicted defensively by not 
making life a little bit harder for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, offensively, the, the Rockets, you know, they struggled shooting the ball, but they also, they just looked out of sorts in the sense that they they ISOed way more in this game. You know, Harden, Wall, Gordon even, you know, just very little ball movement in this one as opposed to the previous, you know, four games where we really did see a, a notched improvement in, in how little isolation they used, you know, in stretches towards the end of the game, yeah. But in this one, it really felt like they relied on it a little bit too much. There just wasn't much off-ball action, you know, a kind of a regression to what they're comfortable with, sort of. And it just it made the offense look stagnant at times, which definitely played into not getting the right types of shots off. I mean, just across the board, Harden had a rough game, 21 points, he three rebounds. He did have 10 assists, but uh, you know, only 5 of 17 shooting for James Harden, 8 of 10 at the foul line, sure. They didn't come out with the right energy, and specifically Harden, you know, some of the defenders that they were able to throw at him over the course of the game, especially Dorian Finney-Smith at times, I feel like gives Harden some trouble, even on switches with, like, you know, Maxi Kleber at times. Just, you know, Harden struggles against length and early in this game he didn't feel like he was in really attack mode at all um couldn't really get his three-point shot rolling and that was just an issue he never really felt like he was in rhythm and the Mavs did a good job of kind of taking him out of what he wanted to do and just kind of you know defensively they they put up a really good game against this Rockets team which you know the Rockets didn't do themselves any favors by missing a chunk of wide open shots but the Mavericks were also on top of their game defensively especially to start the game Christian Wood, 23 points, 8 of 15 shooting, missed all five of his threes, though, so he was excellent inside the arc, and then outside the arc just couldn't hit anything. 7 of 8 at the foul line. Uh, We're going to talk about Wood's defense and rebounding a little bit further down the line. Uh, Off the bench, Eric Gordon, kind of already mentioned him, his shooting was really solid this game. He he was pretty much, he's your Rockets player of the game. There you go. Eric Gordon is absolutely a Rockets player of the game. Um, he was the one bright spot. He was a plus 10, uh, the best plus minus on the entire team because some of the bench units that played in this game at the top of the second quarter and then again in the uh, midway part of the third quarter, some of those units were the were the, the, the groups of guys that kind of pushed the game a little bit within, within arm's reach, kind of got it back into a reasonable striking distance. And then the starters came back in and kind of screwed the pooch again. So really, really rough game all around from a lot of the different different Rockets out there. Um, and we're going to get into some of the specifics of why things looked a little clunky at times in this one. Uh, for the Mavericks, again, Tim Hardaway Jr., 30 points, 11 of 14 shooting, 8 of 10 from behind the arc, just unreal, you know, 2K level numbers. And then Luka Doncic, you know, had a, had a phenomenal game. Uh, after sitting out in the Bulls game, 33 points, 16 rebounds, 11 assists, uh, did have eight turnovers, <laughs> coughed the ball up a hell of a lot, really crummy assist to turnover ratio, but still, you know, dishing out dimes uh, at the cost of some turnovers, 12 to 25 shooting, three for 10 from behind the arc, six of six at the charity stripe, really solid game from Luka Doncic, and you know, I'm, I'm getting my mentions torched by Mavs fans because I jokingly threw out the, uh, the Jay Sean Tate uh, meme, and uh, Jay Sean Tate did not uh, lock up Luka Doncic. So if you're tuning into this podcast to listen to my misery, there you go. I eat crow. It's okay. It's a delicious meal. Um, I didn't genuinely think he was going to lock up Luka Doncic, but okay. Um, it, it's, you know, I do a lot of stuff for the memes, but legitimately Luka, really solid game um, after kind of, you know, struggling to start this season. Uh, you know, he had a really good bounce back game, you know, really needed this if you're the Mavericks, I guess. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I want to keep picking apart this game. There's different areas that I want to talk about. I probably want to dive into the defense uh, first, and we'll get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. College football heads into bowl season, and there are big matchups all across the board. NFL regular season has concluded. Playoffs right here. Lots of big games to throw some money on. NBA season, full swing. Look, no, the Rockets just lost to the Mavericks, but there's plenty of great games to potentially throw down some money on here coming around the corner. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-E-D-O-N, C-K-E-D-O-N for your 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. They've got all kinds of spreads. You've got NBA future spreads. Where's James Harden going to get traded? You've got divisional spreads, conference spreads, all that stuff. And you can check it out at betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to tune in to our very next episode as we will have Rockets broadcaster, fan favorite Craig Ackerman joining the show to kind of discuss what we've seen through five games this season so far. What we like, what we don't like, what needs work, uh, some predictions for the rest of the season, all that good stuff. Now, I want to get into what we saw as far as the the defensive issue. So first off, the the Rockets lost the rebounding battle overall, fifty one to thirty five. Um, talked about the five offensive rebounds in the first quarter. Uh, just just not a good showing on the boards at all. Uh, offensive rebounding finished uh, ten to seven. So only five more offensive rebounds across the the final three quarters of play after five in the first quarter. Uh, but those those second chance points were killers in a game where you're already not doing yourself any favors by uh, stinking it up from behind the three point line. The Rockets gift wrapped a lot of secondary possessions to the Mavericks. Uh, Mavericks finished 22 to six in second chance points. That's just you know that coupled with shooting above 40 percent from behind the arc and the Rockets shooting below 30 percent is just really really hard to overcome. And yet they were still within striking distance you know a few times throughout this game. But one of those issues is is Christian Wood. Look, he, for everything that he does offensively, for as great as he has shown he can be offensively, his re and his rebounding averages look kind of nice. But if you're really paying attention to him on defense, he does not get good rebounds. He doesn't box out properly. Um, he does a lot of like jumping and you know snagging down like one armed rebounds. He doesn't put a body on opposing defenders, and even if he did, he doesn't exactly have a lot of sand in his pants to box out, although anybody who's ever played, any any old head out there will tell you it's not about, you know, I mean, yeah, you can throw your weight around a little bit, but boxing out's also about leverage, right? You use your hips, you get into the, you get into the offensive player, and you use your arms to box them out. That's why it's called boxing out, and Christian Wood's defensive awareness especially when the shot's going up, is just atrocious. Like, he, the rebounds that he does get kind of tend to just fall into his lap at times. Now, he does pull down an occasional good rebound, 
But, you know, that's absolutely something that he, look, just lock P.J. Tucker in a gym with Christian Wood and make, and, and give them, who's the worst shooter on the roster? Um, give them David Nwaba and make David Nwaba get a bunch, you to watch, you can do two birds, one stone, right? Get David Nwaba and Jay Sean Tate in a gym to get three-point shots up and make Christian Wood try to box out P.J. Tucker for every single one of those misses because Christian Wood needs box out practice. He is bad at boxing out and it's leading to rebounding issues for this Houston Rockets team. Now, this is something that we kind of knew was going to happen. Not necessarily that the rebounding issues were going to be as prevalent, but he's a 24-year-old, really raw, really untapped player, and he's got a lot of room to grow. He has all the tools there to be an Anthony Davis light type player, but he needs the right teachings. He needs the right atmosphere. Um, he needs the right guys showing him these things, showing him the ropes, teaching him what to do, how to read certain plays, where to put his body, you know, and Maybe he develops it, maybe he doesn't. I'm inclined to believe that with the right staff around him and the right players around him, he will eventually get there, but he's not there right now. And that's the product of what we're seeing on the floor is Christian Wood defensively at times looking lost, not being in position to rebound, all that good stuff. And that's not and it's not just it's not just the 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 rebounding issue. It's also just defensively, the Rockets don't look as good with Christian Wood out there, and it's because they still haven't established what their defensive identity is going to be. There was a play, I want to say somewhere in the second quarter, where a pick was being set, and James Harden was the primary ball defender, and the pick was being set, and I think Luka was the ball handler, um, and Harden was kind of calling for Christian Wood to come up further, and Christian Wood was way further down, like he was playing drop coverage, and that's probably not how they were trying to play that defensive set. So that's just, again, it's miscommunication defensively, which is why this Rockets team has looked its best when they're practicing their uh, 55 defense, which is what we know is their switch everything defense, where they run the small ball lineup with whatever mix of small ball players you have out there, and they switch everything, because that requires zero thought. All that is is guys watching where the different Mavericks players are running and they're pointing off ball and saying, you get this guy, you get this guy, and and they're switching every single action. And because of that, the Rockets actually held the Mavericks scoreless for almost five minutes in the third quarter. That, that was the most impressive stretch of the game. Shout out Jay Sean Tate because he was in there. It wasn't, I don't know what we're going to call that lineup when Jay Sean Tate and PJ Tucker are out there. We can't call it the Tuck Tate wagon. That just sounds awkward. Um, but it was one of, it was one of the wagons. It was either the, the, the Tuck wagon or the Tate wagon, um, or we'll call it the, the Tucker Tate caravan. I don't know what we want to call it, but that lineup from the 749 mark of the third quarter all the way to the 255 mark of the third quarter. It started, Luka hit a free throw, which bumped the Mavericks to 72 points, and then it didn't. that drought didn't end for them until 255 left in the quarter where Tim Hardaway Jr. hit one of his gazillion three-pointers. But that stretch, the Rockets also went on a 14-0 run offensively during that stretch, and that was because defensively they were able to finally fall back on something that was instinctual, that was something they were accustomed to doing, that was easier to communicate for the guys on the court, rather than A, having Christian Wood out there who at times is a defensive liability, and also um, at times, unfortunately, James Harden was a defensive liability in this game. 
There were multiple possessions where Harden lost his man. Um, specifically, I know there was one where they inbounded the ball immediately and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. iced a three just right over Harden's you know, somewhat outstretched arm. But you cannot give Tim Hardaway Jr. any space at all to rise up or he's just going to pull the trigger. He's that kind of player. Think Gerald Green, right? Think those type of shooters who you give them any breathing room and the moment they touch the ball, guess what's going to happen? They're going to shoot it. That's what Tim Hardaway Jr. is for the Mavericks. And he shot 8 of 10 from behind the arc because of it. So, when you've got... And even Steven Silas went so far as to say post-game that the defensive goal that they had coming into this game was to make Tim Hardaway Jr. put the ball on the floor. And they did not do that enough. And some of that was just Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, deciding to rise up even with a hand in his face. Like, you look at the highlight reel. I, I threw up the highlight reel of Tim Hardaway Jr. from some of his plays that they ran back on on AT&T Sportsnet. And some of the highlights are ridiculous. He's got a hand in his face. It was good defense, understandably, but he still made the shot. And at the end of the day, sometimes you have to tip your cap. Good offense will always trump good defense. You cannot control whether or not the offensive player will make the shot. All you can do is make the shot as difficult as humanly possible for you, for that player. And there were times where the Rockets did not do that. There were times where they gave him too much room, where he was able to rise up with nobody you know, within a foot or two of him. And that's just too much space for an elite shooter. So that was that was an issue, and then there were a couple of, I mean, there was one where Harden fell asleep defensively or, or blew a defensive assignment, and Dorian Finney-Smith got a wide-open corner three. Um, but look, you know, maybe, look, the Mavericks shot an unreal percentage, 41%, which is 11% higher than their season average. And so maybe if the Mavericks, you know, shooting had regressed a little bit and the Rockets shooting was not as abysmal as it was at 27.5%, this game would have been a lot closer. But what you saw out there is the issue of having, at times, the Rockets had sometimes two, sometimes three non-shooters on the court for different stretches of this game. And that's what I want to talk about coming up here in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, which doesn't really seem fair, right? RockAuto.com's prices are the exact same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest possible prices, rather than changing their prices around, kind of, you know, based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. They're for everybody. There's no membership fees, no requirements, no account login, none of that. You just go straight to the website and check it out. They have everything from engine control mod and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything that you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So again, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And this is the super important part. Do me a favor, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, talking about the Rockets falling to the Dallas Mavericks, 113-100, now 2-3 and three on the regular season. So talking about this non-shooting lineup issue, right? Basically, there's there's some certified non-shooters on the Rockets roster. And that's, you know, I, I feel like non-shooter... Just to clarify that term, it doesn't mean that they can't shoot. It's that they're either A, hesitant shooters, or B, that they are bad three-point shooters. And there's a chunk of them on this Rockets roster. I can run down the list right now, and looking at some of these guys, at times, right, P.J. Tucker, hesitant shooter. John Wall, 
poor shooter, not a hesitant shooter, but a poor three-point shooter. Uh, David Nwaba, uh, David Nwaba, can't say it, David Nwaba, uh, poor shooter and hesitant shooter, much more willing to drive the ball. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, hesitant three-point shooter. Uh, where we got else? Uh, Sterling Brown, not a hesitant shooter and has been a good three-point shooter, but only shot one of four in this game. So just down the lineup, a a big chunk of guys who are either hesitant or poor three-point shooters. And there were points in the game where because of the absence of Daniel House Jr. and because Ben McLemore hasn't uh, sniffed the rotation yet since he just got back from his two-week isolation, there's going to be stretches where you have those non-shooters out there. And that is problematic. Because as far as spacing goes, as far as, you know, getting quality shots off, there were a bunch of different times in this game where Nwaba had a, had a chance to shoot a three, or Tate had a chance to shoot a three, or Wall had a chance to shoot a three, and it ended up in a drive instead. And that's good in that they have players that are willing to put the ball on the floor finally after years of 3 and D players that were essentially only 3 and D. That's all they could do. If you, they tried to put the ball on the floor, bad things would usually happen. Shout out Trevor Ariza, who never really looked like he learned how to drive in the NBA. But legitimately, that's a problem that you're going to run into when you run multiple non-shooters throughout the course of a game. And that's a, a, a something that will be fixed once you get Daniel House Jr. back in the lineup and once you get Ben McLemore situated in some type of, uh, some type of part of the rotation, because those guys are competent shooters. Those guys are, you know, you can reasonably say those guys are, are, are plus three-point shooters. I said reasonably. Obviously, Ben McLemore is a plus three-point shooter. Daniel House skews better or slightly above league average usually. And to, to throw back to when I kind of reiterated my feelings towards the Daniel House situation after his first couple of games where he looked like he struggled and then he had, then he had the bounce back game. That's why Daniel House is still your starting three. That's why he fits that mold better because what he gives you is he's the best all-around 3 and D guy on this roster for what he gives you offensively, defensively, uh, in transition, the athleticism, everything that he gives you, the shooting, he is the best all-around 3 and D guy on this roster. P.J. Tucker, you can maybe you make that argument, but P.J. Tucker is limited offensively. If he's not sitting in the corner hitting corner three-point shots, he is limited offensively. And he's also, at times, a hesitant shooter. He only attempted one three-point shot in this game. And there were a couple spots where he just caught the ball and immediately passed it up for a shot from the corner. And he can't do that. He cannot be hesitant when he has the chance to shoot the ball. So getting those guys back in the fold of things is going to be crucial because you can't have stretches where you've got those non-shooters out there, especially on a night where the usual... Uh, brunt of your offense is struggling. James Harden had a really, really rough performance. Again, 5 of 17 shooting was the team worst, minus 24 on the night. James Harden just looked bad. Like, this is this was a really, really bad game from James Harden, and it's he didn't look like... It's not that he looked like mentally checked out, and at times, though, I did notice that he was kind of like gingerly limping on that ankle that he rolled. So maybe he rushed back a little bit. Maybe he's not 100%. I'm not making excuses for him. He should have sat out if he still didn't feel 100%. There's no reason for him to try and play on a bum ankle, especially if it's going to lend itself to this kind of a performance. But one guy that I haven't highlighted enough was John Wall, who had a quiet game. And I think you know, there's going to be a lot of people coming out of the woodworks who are going to be ready to jump on at the moment things look a little rough and say, oh, James Harden and John Wall can't coexist. They look bad together, yada, 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 blah, 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 all that crap, right? 
They're figuring it out. These are two guys who are ball dominant players who are trying to figure out how to coexist. And you want to know why that's the, you want to know why it looks like they're trying to figure out how to coexist? John Wall only had 10 shot attempts in this game. Now, he was in a little bit of foul trouble early on, picked up two early fouls, had to sit early, started the second quarter, and had that really good push at the top of the second before, <laughs> before things derailed after Boogie Cousins got ejected. But uh, John Wall only had 10 shot attempts in this game. He only shot four for 10, one of three from behind the arc, did hit all five of his attempted free throws, uh, but he finished with just 14 points. Uh, and I think a lot of that was at times, you know, just not quite being sure how to approach the game alongside James Harden. Um, you know, in his first two games, he shot over 20 times in each game. In this game, only 10 shot attempts. That's a little uncharacteristic, or maybe he's just trying to, again, figure things out and how he and James are going to coexist on the court together. Um, but it's all a work in progress. It really is. And, you know, there's no reason to overreact to a game where the Mavericks shot 11% higher than their average for the season. Yes, they they were bound to skew upward at some point, and this is one of those like statistical anomaly games, especially with Tim Hardaway Jr. accounting for 24 points behind the arc, almost hitting as many threes by himself. Again, the Rockets as a team, just 11 of 40. Tim Hardaway Jr. hit almost as many threes as the entirety of the Rockets team. If you take out... <laughs> If you take out Eric Gordon's four for ten shooting, Tim Hardaway Jr. shot and made or made more threes than the entire Rockets team, which is how just abysmal their shooting was in this game. So you couple the rebounding issues, you couple the defensive issues, you couple the statistical anomaly that is THJ and how much he hates the Rockets, and you know you kind of just tip your cap and you're like, okay, it was one of those games, right? One of those nights, and you just kind of write it off. Now, that's not to say that there's not things that this Rocks team absolutely has to work on moving forward, but it's not one of those end, you know, it's not an end of days game where you walk away and you're just like, oh my God, this game was awful. This team has no chance. No, you had John Wall, who for some reason mysteriously only shot 10 times. You had Boogie Cousins get ejected. You had James Harden play one of the worst games since, what, January of last year, 2020, during that month-long stretch where he looked really horrid. You had him play probably one of the worst games that I've seen out of him in a long, long time. Uh, and then, again, Luka and Tim Hardaway Jr. had explosive nights each, combining for 63 points out of the Mavericks' 113. So there's not a reason to walk away from this game and think that this team is suddenly atrocious and they have no chance at competing and there's a million different problems. There's not. They've got some things they've got to work on. They've got to gel together. They've got to get together defensively and figure out what is going on when they're not running small ball because this team looks really, really good when they're running the small ball lineups. You look down the line at some of the bench players. Jay Sean Tate was a plus five. Cousins was a plus five. Eric Gordon was a plus ten. Sterling Brown was a plus seven. Every single bench player that played substantial minutes, and I say substantial even though I'm looking at the little three next to DeMarcus Cousins' name, um, but, if he, you know, basically the, the bench brigade for this team, they all had plus minutes. And then John Wall was the best-looking starter of the bunch, you know, only minus 13 as opposed to uh, minus 17, minus 18, minus 18, and then Harden's minus 24 uh, for the rest of the starters. John Wall looked good because he was out there with the bench unit for certain stretches of the game. Uh, you know, specifically the the top part of that second, and then he was also a part uh, at, at some point during that uh, that third quarter stretch. So, you know, this isn't one of those. Again, you don't walk away from this game panicking and thinking, "Okay, this team's suddenly garbage." No, they're going to work these things out, and that's what these early season games are for. Stephen Silas is figuring out his rotation. 
but getting Ben McLemore back will be a huge key to that. Um, I, I posted his uh, his on-off numbers from the three-man lineups for last season, and some of the numbers that, that he had are just ridiculous. This is something that I've referenced a little bit already on this podcast before, but just and ranking you know these three-man lineups by minutes played last season. Um, the the three-man lineup with the most number of minutes, including McLemore, was P.J. Tucker, James Harden, and Ben McLemore. They posted an offensive rating of 116 and a defensive rating of 103.6, good for a net rating of 12.4. That's just unbelievable. The next lineup was Tucker, Westbrook, and McLemore, and they posted a net rating of 8.7. Then another one, Westbrook, Harden, and McLemore posted a net rating of 16.1. Those were the three most used three-man lineups last season. And so you just swap out John Wall for Russell Westbrook, who is a better defender and less less turnover-prone offensively and I think just a better overall fit next to James Harden and Ben McLemore. Some of those, some of those net rating lineups are going to be insane this season. It's just about getting him up to speed. Again, two weeks in isolation, hasn't been able to work out, hasn't been able to get shots up, has been stuck at home in his house or apartment or whatever, and been you know probably a little stir-crazy during those two weeks. But it's just about getting all the pieces finally available um, and then shoring up some of the issues that you're having across the lineup, right? Got to get Christian Wood a little bit more up to speed defensively because they can't have him out there and be a distinct liability. I think P.J. Tucker, you're going to have to trim his minutes at some point because you've got too many other 3 and D guys who can, you know, at least provide what he's giving you defensively, uh, you know, an equivalent amount of that, and they're a little bit more versatile offensively. Now, they're not necessarily better shooters. That's that's yet to be proven from uh, David Nwaba and Jay Sean Tate. Sterling Brown has shown that he can be a good shooter uh, and gives you some comparable defense to P.J. Tucker, but you're going to have to trim some minutes from somewhere because Ben McLemore absolutely needs to be in some of these lineups. But it's also worth noting that Steven Silas is willing to try things to see if they work. And I think that's a great thing for a coach to be open-minded about, especially this early in the season. He saw that the Rockets were struggling defensively, so guess what he did? He pulled Christian Wood. He pulled Christian Wood, went back to the small ball that showed some success in the first half and that showed a lot of success against the Kings in the fourth quarter uh, the, of, the, of the second win against the Kings. And guess what? It worked again. So they know that they have that to fall back on, but they have to build past that. They have to get the right guys in the right defensive rotations and get everybody on the same page, which, again, all that's going to take is practice. It's going to take practice. It's going to take real game reps, and it's going to take, hopefully, your franchise player, the best guy on the floor, not being a minus 24 in his 38 minutes played. So hopefully they turn these things around. Um, Again, I'm not walking away from this genuinely like concerned um there's areas definitely that need to be cleaned up but that's what the early season is for so again rockets drop the game 113 100 now falling to two and three on the season now two and one at home still zero and two on the road where they do travel their very next game will be against the pacers on the road wednesday night that should be a good one as the rockets and pacers are teams one and two in the league right now in dunks per game points at the basket all those different stats because the rockets have been filling it up in the paint uh, for the early part of the season in the absence of Eric Gordon and Ben McLemore for much of this uh, early part of the season. Excited to get Ben McLemore back in the lineup. I think he's going to be a good addition, uh, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of specific sets and actions Silas will draw up for him when you have, again, a bona fide 30%, or sorry, I apologize, not 30% three-point shooter. He's not, Re- he's not Westbrook, um, sorry. 
pot shot at Russ. Um, when you have a 40% three-point shooter in Ben McLemore, you take advantage of him, right? And there's going to be stretches during the season and during certain games where you can't afford to have him out there because you need the defensive presence of some of those other really stalwart defensive type guys. But there's also going to be stretches where, like tonight, when everybody's struggling from three, uh, Christian Wood, 0 of 5, Wall, 1 of 3, Harden, 3 of 11, Nwaba, 1 of 3, uh, Cousins missed his only one, Brown, 1 of 4 after you know shooting lights out up to this point. When you see down the line that nobody's hitting shots, that's when you can plug in Ben McLemore. Maybe he lights it up and suddenly he can be your Tim Hardaway Jr. and go off for 20-plus on any given night. So th- those are the things to, to look forward to moving forward from this team, uh, from this game, I should say. Uh, I think I've hit on pretty much everything that mattered from this game. Want to run over my notes one more time. Make sure I didn't miss anything super substantial. Uh, just overall stats. Not seeing anything else that's jumping out off the page. Rockets did do a good job taking care of the basketball in this one. Only 12 turnovers. Mavericks had 15 turnovers. Um, 18 total for the game. Uh, leading to 23 Rockets points. So they did kind of capitalize on the turnovers, uh, turning them into uh, decent, you know, opportunities going the other way, uh, and then the Rockets only gave up ten points off their twelve turnovers, so that's pretty solid there. Uh, only two mid-range po- mid-range shots in this one for the Rockets, and maybe that plays into a little bit of why John Wall shot the way that he did. Uh, you know, kind of noticed through his first two games, uh, Wall was taking some you know extra long mid-range twos, kind of dribbling into them in rhythm. And he's been shooting at least a decent percentage on them to start the season. So maybe he was just advised not to do that Um, in this one. Didn't really remember him taking uh, any long twos in this one, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But it'll be interesting to see how this how this progresses. And again, with the whole John Wall, James Harden dynamic, they're still working things out. There's no reason to panic and, and think that this pairing can't work. Um, at least not this early. We can hit the panic switch if things look rough after like 15, 20 games, but there's no reason to hit the panic switch after five games in which this is still, they still haven't had their full roster with no Daniel House and no Ben McLemore. So that's where we're going to cut things off for today. As always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.